us have a weakness, there is some type of vulnerability that you have. It could be your lust. It could be your pride. It could be your arrogance. Y'all don't want to talk to me. I'm just introducing the series. All of us have something that could be a greater temptation to you than others. I believe the point of this series is I want us to get to a place to where we understand temptation is only hard when you don't have a greater than. Did y'all hear me? Did y'all hear me over here? Temptation is only hard when you don't have a greater than. Something has to be greater than porn. Something has to be greater than your weed and black and mild. Y'all don't want to talk. Something has to be greater than your tequila shots. Something has to be greater than your orgasm fix. Something has to be greater than spending money and you know you should be saving because you complained about not having enough money and God is like, you're wearing your wealth. There has to be a greater. Okay, I see. It's going to be uncomfortable. We're starting a new series entitled Exit Strategies. Exit Strategies for part one of this series, and I could tell it's thick in here. We're gonna have to like plow today. I could already tell it's gonna be uncomfortable. For part one of this series, I wanna speak around this thought from this subject, I did it again. Anybody ever been there? Y'all lying again. (laughs) I I did it again. And I want to try to help us to not stay on the merry-go-round on the same sin, the same thing that causes for you to be mentally exhausted, the same problem, the same contact, the same individual that keeps assisting us in my own demise. How do I get to a place where I could exit so that I keep, so that I won't keep doing the same thing? So let's pray and let's get into this thing. Father God, you're awesome. We thank you for being God. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to dissect your word together. And we are praying, God, that you will remind us that you are an exit strategist. Help us to get out of the merry-go-round of the same issue, the same sin, so that we can advance. I feel this so firmly in my spirit, God. Help us to understand that for many of us, recovery season is over. It's advancement season. And help us get to a place where we put to death, not pet, not play, not stay in contact, but help us kill anything that is evolving our flesh to be in rebellion to you. All the study means absolutely nothing if you are magnified, if you are glorified. We have enough comedians in pulpits. God, I'm praying that you anoint me as your oracle. Help me to preach the word, the rhema word, so that we can get closer to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you just shout in the room, amen. amen. Everybody online, put in the room, amen. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody in this sacred space and watching online, this one, like this series, it's going to get messy. Mm-hmm. Yet yeah, this series is going to get messy It's going to get dirty. It's going to get uncomfortable because sometimes your deliverance is dirty before it ever gets pretty. 
Y'all don't want to talk to me. Sometimes it gets dirty before it ever gets pretty. When a baby is delivered from the womb, the baby doesn't come out all cute and cuddly with rosy cheeks like the media wants you to believe. No, sometimes that baby comes out with bruises. Sometimes the baby comes out with abrasions. Sometimes the baby's head is kind of squished because of the pressure of the baby being pushed out of the birth canal. And sometimes while the mother is straining and while she's pushing, sometimes she pushes poop out. Research, it happens. While she's pushing and while she's straining, no judgment, it's just truth. Sometimes some boo-boo comes out too. So we're dealing with boo-boo, it's getting messy. We're dealing with afterbirth, we're dealing with blood because sometimes when you are being delivered from one realm to the next, it's gonna get dirty. When you're going from immaturity to maturity, it's gonna get messy. This series is gonna be a deliverance series. We're going to deal with the ugly, with the dark, with the messy. I'm talking about those secret warfares that you're dealing with in the dark that nobody knows about but you and God. We're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with those struggles that you have and you want to be free. And you're tired of doing the same thing. And you're tired of clearing your internet history. And you're tired of making excuses. And you're tired of saying, God, forgive me for this again and this again and this again. It's the same thing. And you're crying because you want to be free. And every single night your pillowcase is soaked with tears because you want to be free. And you want to get over this. And you want to be delivered. But you're smiling in public like everything's okay. But on the inside there's a storm because you're tired of doing the same thing over and over and you cry at night and nobody sees the tears but you and your pillowcase. And that's okay because one thing I learned about tears is tears are not always a sign of weakness. Sometimes what your tears are, they're watering the seeds of your evolution. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's not just signs of weakness. Sometimes it is literally watering the seeds of your evolution. Somebody say it's gonna get messy. We are now launching a brand new sermon series, our third sermon series for the 2022 calendar year, Exit Strategies. And the reason I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to go that route is because you don't have to. I feel this, y'all, I'm trying so hard to, to teach it, not preach it. You don't have to be bound, react, or respond to people, situations, and temptations in the flesh. See that one clap? I'm going to work because I know it's going to get uncomfortable. You don't have to be bound, respond, or react to situations, circumstances, and temptations in the flesh. God wants us to be a people who possess the mastery of emotional stillness. The, the, the mastery of emotional calmness. That means you have the ability to not allow your flesh and your emotions override and overpower your intelligence. This means you have the ability to not allow your flesh and your emotions overpower and, and override your witness. You have the ability. God wants us to move on from that. Can I get somebody to say move? move? 
this is what I was trying to get us to understand online on Therapy Thursday. God is looking for a moved people. I'm trying to move you from feeling bound to your flesh to being a person who is walking in the spirit. I want to move you to that. Somebody say move. The whole purpose of the cross was to move us from being objects of wrath to being children of the king. Somebody say move. I want to move you from death to life. Move. I want to move you from ratchet to righteous. Move. I want to move you from petty to being powerful. Move. I want to move you from being sensitive to being unbothered. Move. I want to move you from lost to found. Move. I want to move you from being distracted to being focused. Move. I want to move you from rebellion to repentance. Move. I want to move you from casual Christianity to being radical with your faith. I want you to move. I want you to move from giving me your bare minimum to giving me your maximum. I want you to move. Somebody say move. God is looking for a moved people because listen church, being a moved people is the prerequisite for having a movement. Talk Holy Spirit. You cannot have a movement without first being moved. Move. I want you to move. I want you to move. And I want my people to understand that there is an exit. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to respond and react to it in flesh. There is an exit. There is an exit. There is an exit. I'm saying it on repetition for an individual who feels hopeless. There is an exit. There is an exit. I don't have to allow sin against me to produce sin in me. There is an exit. There is an exit. There is an exit. I don't have to match energy with energy. Just because they came at me on one doesn't mean I have to get on one too to match their energy. There is an exit. There is an exit. I don't have to use weed and black and mild or whatever substance or alcohol or any dopamine hit to try to escape a mental chaos state, to try to escape pain, to try to use the dopamine hit as some grief tranquilizer. Because once the buzz fades, y'all see how quiet it's getting? Talk Holy Spirit. Most pastors won't preach this because they want your applause more than they want your soul in the kingdom. I'm trying to help us. Once the buzz fades, you're still going to be frustrated. In fact, if some of us are honest, you're more frustrated. (laughs) After the hangover's over, you're more frustrated. Could it be because you have been trying to quench your thirst from a broken well? It's not going to be found there. There there is an exit. There is an exit. You don't have to keep clearing your search history. I told y'all it's going to get messy. You don't have to keep on clearing your search history because once again, I have succumbed to the temptation of pornography and masturbation. And I know... The enemy probably told you just like he told me. This is the safe sin. Y'all holy, so I'm going to talk how he told me. 
This, this is the safe sin. You're not going to get nobody pregnant. You're not going to get any STD. You're not going to get caught up with nobody. This is the safe sin. Your porn, masturbation, vibrator, we going all the way here. It's your safe sin. But what he doesn't tell you is that it pollutes your head. I know, I know, it's going to get uncomfortable. It pollutes your head to where you only see things through sensuality versus spirituality. You can't even see a woman as a sister or a daughter of the king. You see her through sensuality. You can't even see this brother as a man of God. You can't get past the fact that it's hoochie short season. (laughs) Y'all don't want to talk to me. Is this too real? It's sundress season. And I can't see past. Y'all don't want to talk to me. I do not apologize. My generation requires real. It requires real. I'm only seeing things through sensuality versus spirituality. And because Satan is so crafty, what he does is he's going to make sure that there's a time in your life when your weakness meets opportunity. He studies you. If anybody has ever played sports, when you, are, when you are in a competitive team, you study film of your opponent. You try to discover their weakness. And so what he does is he will present you an opportunity to where your secret imaginative desire has the opportunity to become a physical reality. Talk Holy Spirit. I don't... I don't have to. See, you know what pornography is? Pornography is a cruel slave master. It's a cruel slave master that beats us with the whip of shame. It beats us with the whip of guilt. And it beats us with the whip of hopelessness. See, sin by definition means to miss the mark. And when you keep on missing the mark in the same area, you feel helpless. And so you start to get to the point where, what's the point? What's the point of all this church stuff? What's the point of all this? You know what? I've tried it. It doesn't work. I'm still not free from this same issue. He tries to beat us with the whip of helplessness. It is a cruel slave master, but for some strange reason, we keep on going back to the plantation of an explicit website. You don't, you don't have to bow to the flesh. I can be free from this. There is an exit. There is an exit. Like, you don't have to keep on multitasking between losing your mind, fake smiles, and happy posts. (laughs) one moment happy post next moment losing your mind next moment fake smile so you keep multitasking between fake smiles happy posts losing my mind losing my mind fake smile happy posts and God can give you organic joy there is an exit there is an exit you don't have to feel like your singleness is an asylum of loneliness and questioning your value Listen, y'all, could it be the reason you're here is because God is healing you and maturing you for there? Because marriage takes mature people. All right. Right. Let me change your perspective. You might be calling it a season of waiting, but you know what God is calling it? The process of washing. 
I'm waiting. No, you're being washed. God, when? I'm washing you. God, when? When you stop resisting my washing. God, how? When you stop resisting my washing. What if we've been mislabeling it? It's not the season of waiting. It's the process of washing. Your marriage does not have to be a battle zone and a war zone. And it feels like your love is on life support. There is an exit. And speaking of exits, one of my favorite books in the Bible is Exodus. <laughs> I love how the word just connects. Exodus. It just shows so much about the power of God and the personality of God and how he'll get on the scene for his people. One time, I'm going to crack the sea. The next time, I'm going to have quails fly in. The next time, I'm going to rain down manna from heaven. I just love the book of Exodus. It's filled and loaded with preaching potential, and it also reveals to us God's personality. Now, this might be education to some, but then just a simple reminder for others, and that is the word exodus means to exit. Okay? So there are a plethora of adjectives that we could use to describe who God is. He's a healer or he, he's a provider. He, he's the God who sanctifies, justifies, and purifies. Hey, there's so many things that we could say about our God. Like, it's almost as if God operates with a eternal isness, if you will. I know I'm making up words, but just bear with me. It's like he has this eternal isness, meaning he is who he was, he is who he's going to be, and he is who he is all at the same time. So we really can't confine or compartmentalize or compact who he is to an is, he just is. <laughs> he operates with this eternal isness, but there's this adjective that most of us forget when it comes to try to describe who God is, and that is he is the God of an exit. He dedicated a whole book entitled Exodus. He is an exit strategist. He knows how to make a way out of no way. And once you really start to get intimate with the Lord, you'll discover that he just doesn't know how to make a way out of no way. He is the way. Can I go a little deeper? The reason some of us are so disappointed is because the way got in your way. Y'all missed it. Ben, did you catch it? Y'all missed it. A lot of times what disappointment is, is when the way gets in your way. See, we can shout that he's the God that can make a way out of no way. We can even shout over the fact that he is the way. But have you got to this spiritual mature place where you could thank God for getting in your way? I know. I know, we rather the position, I know, but can we thank him for when he stops me? God, thank you for stopping me from going over there. Thank you. Gosh, thank you for stopping me from marrying that life wrecker. Thank you. God, thank you for stopping me from committing suicide. Thank you. God, thank you for stopping me from going over his house. Thank you. Can you give him praise that he stops you? Online, y'all should hear this. <laughs> We love that he makes a way out of no way, but what about when he gets in your way? See, John chapter 14, verse 6, puts it this way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
The psalmist already understood this reality because in Psalms 121, he says, I will look to the hills where my help comes from. So as I was studying, I recognized something. If he is the way, this means I'm never trapped. Okay, let me keep pushing it. Since Jesus is the way, since I got him, I'm never trapped. I might be surrounded, but I'm not trapped. Obstacles on every side, but I'm not trapped. Red Sea in front of me, I'm not trapped. Lion's Den, I'm not trapped. Denial, I'm not trapped. Not approved, I'm not trapped. Because I have the way with me, I'm never trapped. Can I get somebody to say, I'm coming out of this? Exit strategies. Have you forgotten that we serve the God of an exit? Now, I want to show you this. All of that to get to this foundational scripture in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. I want us to see this. If you don't have a Bible, it will be projected for you on the screen. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I I see people, and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. A verse of emphasis. I have to take my time with this because I want y'all to get this. A verse of emphasis, the first verse I want to bring to your attention is verse 23. <laughs> I was messed up during sermon prayer because I was like, man, the people who brought this dude to Jesus, we don't even know who they were. They're not celebrated. They're not acknowledged. And God reminded me, that's you. That's you. See, pastors today have forgotten that you weren't made to be famous. You were made to be effective. We're not chasing clout. We're not trying to build platforms. All the glory belongs to Jesus. Your job is to just bring them to Jesus. You're a minister or not a mini star. We don't make mention of these people at all because that's what you're supposed to do. Bring them to me. That's it. We're not making much of you. We're not celebrating you. We're not talking about your platform. We're talking about me. That was just for me. But anyway, as I was reading, verse 23 kind of messed me up, y'all. Because it says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Please don't miss this, y'all. Because if you look closely at the text, you should see yourself and see me. The blind man is all of us. So look, the blind man can't see. He cannot see the exit. But the God of the exit sees him. And so what he does, since you can't see the exit, I'm going to grab you and take you out of the exit. (laughs) Because sometimes you don't know how to lead yourself out of this. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to help you get out of this. I'm going to help you be delivered from this. See, many of us haven't recognized we're blinded to resentment. God wants to help you exit that village. 
You're blinded to pride. God wants to help you exit that village. You're blinded to arrogance and entitlement. You think because you're faithful and you give, you deserve for God to bless you versus you giving and being faithful because he's just good. I have to deliver you from that entitlement. Let me take you outside of the village. And I'm like, okay. When they brought this dude to Jesus, he could have just healed him. Did y'all see that? Look at the text. The first thing he does is he grabs him and leads him out the village. What if what you're asking God to do, he's saying, I can't do it until you exit. The miraculous is on the other side of your exit. You're asking God to bless you in a village that contributed to you being blind in the area. I can't do it in the village. We have to first exit. Whatever you're asking God to do, what if he's telling you, I can't do it there? Because that atmosphere is not conducive for your next. That atmosphere is not conducive for your assignment. Talk Holy Ghost. That atmosphere is not conducive for your purpose. Let me take you outside of the village. Let me show you an exit. And the part that messed me up, verse 26, verse 26 says, Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Hmm. Sent him home. So you don't even really, you don't even really belong in that village. Did y'all catch it? You don't even live there. Like that's not even where you belong. Don't go back to the village. I feel this, y'all. This is prophetic for somebody. God is saying, don't go back to the very thing you prayed for me to bring you out of. Don't go back to it. While I'm healing you, don't pick the scab. Talk Holy Ghost. While I'm healing you, don't go back to the very thing that left your mental health on life support. You're asking for me to do the miracle. I'm telling you it's on the other side of your exit. It's on the other side of your exit. And God gave me this profound revelation. Deliverance must be followed by demolition. It's quiet in here. Mrs. Flowers, do you hear this? Deliverance must be followed by demolition. Once you're delivered from the village, you might have to delete contacts from the village. Ooh. Because I'm understanding before he healed him, he gave him an exit. So what God is really saying is before I could take you in, I have to first take you out. Deliverance is followed by demolition. You can't, like anytime it's time for you to change who you are, that's also going to require for you to change where you've been. The reason we struggle so much is because you are trying to change but keep the same environment. Even a fish can be, rel- can be revived if you place it back in water. That's the issue. Why do I keep doing it again? It's because you're trying to change but keep the same address. You're trying to change but keep the same social media. You're trying to change but keep the same diet. You're trying to change but keep the same friends. Ooh, I'm about to mess y'all up. See, the way you could tell who in your life is a part of your deliverance versus who's a part of your demolition is people who are part of your deliverance, they're going to assist the new you. All right? 
Now, people who are part of your demolition are going to assault the new you. Old people and old places are a security deposit for you to continue to have the same season. So I bring you out. Jesus said, don't go back there. This word here is hot, y'all. Don't, 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 don't go back there. Don't go back there. Whenever God sends somebody in your life, this is confirmation for somebody who's been praying about something. This is your confirmation. When they are sent from God, they help you focus. Right. Ouch. Confirmation. When they are from God, they help you focus. When they are from hell, they help you be distracted. For what God is going to do in your life, you need another level of focus. For the next realm that you're about to go to, you need another level of focus. For the next dimension God is sending you to, you need another level of focus. This is why you can't sit under this word and play. Because I'm not trying to help you be distracted. I'm trying to help you focus on your encounter. Focus on your destiny. Focus on your decision. I'm not going to stand before God and say, I entertain them to death. I preach the book. And I'm trying to get us to understand in this day a popular comedic sermons that God is telling you, I've been wanting to do the miraculous in your life, but you have to want to exit. And once you exit, don't go back there. That could come in the form of delete. That could come in the form of deactivate. That could come in the form of a brand new cell phone number because sometimes you have to make it hard for your past to not be able to reach you. Whatever I got to do to make sure that I'm not going back to the village, do it. God is saying, hey, your miracle is on the other side of your exit. What has God been trying to get us to exit? but we're comfortable there. You know why we keep going back to the village? Because it's our normal. It's our normal. You know why we keep going back to the village? Our friends are there. And I just discovered this. Once you experience true deliverance, you'll recognize that's not really my circle. That's, that's not really my circle, that's my cell. These are cellmates helping me stay in the same place. <laughs> the only thing we have in common is happy hour. Here it is. Stop going to happy hour. Y'all have nothing in common. What we have in common is village behavior. Yeah. What we have in common is both of our lust is on, fly, on fire. Remove the sex, y'all don't even know each other. Oh, I love you, I love you. You ever notice they say, I love you so much during sex? You haven't even caught the revelation. They're not talking to you, they're talking to the sex. You just overhear the conversation. Okay. <laughs> I told y'all it's gonna get messy. And as I was looking at this text, y'all, <laughs> as I was looking at this text, I noticed something. This is not even about the miracle. It's not, I've always, I preached this passage before, but I was focused on the miracle of giving sight to the blind. And as I look a little deeper, somebody say squeeze. squeeze. As I begin to squeeze, I recognize this is about atmosphere. 
it's, it's, it's not just about blindness. It's about atmosphere. There's something you need me to do in your life that I can't do in that atmosphere. I'll give you more about it to prove it. All throughout the text, we see this pattern with Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this dude get these things? They asked, what, 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 what's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Look how they're minimizing him. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Let me give you a word, y'all. They got offended by him, not because he offended them, but because of how much he changed. <laughs> this is so good, y'all. They got offended at him. See, I'm going to try to give you a revelation. You know why the hate comes from family? And why it comes from people who know you the most is because y'all both came from the same place, all right? They both came from the same place, but when they notice how much you changed, when they notice how much you killing it, when they notice how much peace you have, they begin to recognize how far you've come versus where they're still at, and they start to get offended, not because you're offending them, but because they're really offended with themselves and they're taken out on you because you were a reminder, I've been lazy. I could change too. I could come out of this too, but they're doing it and they don't know how to celebrate that. And the thing about God is what God does is he drops next level in front of you on purpose, not for the purpose of you getting jealous, but for the purpose of you taking notes. You're supposed to say, how did you get like this? How did you overcome that? Not get jealous. They, they, they got offended at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. Look at this, y'all. We're talking about Jesus. He could not do any miracles there. Pause. We're talking about the same dude who's like clearing out hospitals. This, this, what happened? Is there like a bad Wi-Fi signal of divine power in his hometown? He could do no miracles there except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around, y'all, look at this, teaching from village to village. Jesus is saying, you are not creating an atmosphere for me to produce the same amount of power that I'm able to do in other atmospheres. Something about this village is limiting you from receiving what I got. I could help you. I could upgrade your life. But the atmosphere that you have has it to where I can't do nothing. It's not about the miracle. It's about the, y'all talk to me, atmosphere. I'm going to give you more Bible. Mark chapter 5. This is just the chapter before. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 5, verse 38. It says, when they came... To the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? What's wrong with y'all? The child is not dead, but asleep. Look at this, y'all. But they laughed at him. <laughs> this is the Jesus that we don't talk about. After he put them all out. 
Like, I'm like, okay. He went to Jairus' house, meaning this is not your home. Look, look, I want you to see how Jesus is. This is not even your home. But if you let me in your home, I'm going to put people out your home that limit me. You want a miracle? They got, I mean, he kicking mamas out. He kicking aunties out. He kicking friends out. He's saying, you want me in your life? They got to go. You want me to do this miracle? They got to go. I don't care that's your mama. They got to go. I don't care that's your friend. They got to go. You want a miracle, right? He put them out. And y'all wonder why they want to kill Jesus? What's the matter in that boldness? Jesus like, hey, y'all get out. It's funny. Oh, kiki, kiki, y'all laughing? Get out. Out, all of you. No, I heard you laughing. You were snickering out. Out. He kicked them all out. Then he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went where the child was. He took her by the hand. We see it again. And said to her, Talia Takumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. I just showed you three passages of scripture where Jesus could not do what he was able to do because of an atmosphere. And you think it's okay for you to keep the atmosphere you have? God is saying, I've been ready, but I have to change your atmosphere. And I know somebody may be like, okay, I hear that man, but I just don't understand why, why God don't really be helping me. I feel like he be tempting me sometimes. Like, like all these, these girls and stuff, like if you want me to be holy, if you want me to be holy, why don't you do something about this? You laugh, but there are people, there are men who blame women on their lust. <laughs> they got their breast all out, man, it's so hard, bro. It's, okay, same thing for sisters. They sisters who blame men. It's just that beard, pastor, it's just that beard. It's just them abs he built, Lord have mercy. Lord, my flesh, my Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. I'm burning. <laughs> so we, people literally blame other people for your lust. Now, okay, for all of those, I've been there. I'm right here with you. Um, I want to show you this in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Watch this, y'all. This messed me up. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by her. Does that say her lust? By them? By his what? Own desires. And look, enticed. So we are enticed by what's in us. You blaming the devil. I'm trying to get you to see it's you. <laughs> Let me help y'all. Satan can really only do two things. He gets too much credit, y'all. He can only do two things. You know what that is? Present and persuade. That's all he could do. Present and persuade. Okay, I see your secret imaginative desire. I'm going to present you with the weakness that you've been enticed with. And I'm going to try to persuade you to go hit that. Present, persuade. The devil made me. No, it's in you. It's in me. This is why you have to know you. That's not, I'm not delivered. I know me. And we having a swimming party. I know me. I'm not going. 
I know me. I know what it was like crying, wanting to be free from porn. I'm not going to go there. That's going to agitate my lust. That doesn't mean I'm not holy. I know me. I know what will entice me. See, some of us have social sins, meaning without that social group, you wouldn't even do it. Period. You wouldn't even do it. The only reason you drink is because all your friends do. You don't even really like it. It tastes nasty to you. But all your girls go to happy hour. Man, it's quiet. And so we don't even recognize that some of us don't even have issues. You're just living where they, you're just living where they fail. You're staying in a village that is strengthening an enticement. An enticement. It's on the inside of you. It's on the inside of you. Like, as I was in this battle, I'm going to just be raw and transparent. It may be funny to y'all, but it was just me. I remember when I was really, really trying to, like, get my mind right. Like, why can't I see people in a certain way? Everybody has to have that season where God is just washing you, washing you, right? And so I was like, man, have y'all ever noticed how everything is sexual? Like, they, they kind of stopped these commercials. But do y'all remember how them herbal essence commercials used to be? Yeah. You washing your hair? Yes, yes. I'm like, girl, you're just washing your naps. Eating cadaver chocolate, all seductive, the smooth Hershey chocolate. I'm like, bro, I started to notice everything was messing with what was in me. And it was enticing me. Now listen, depending on how bad you want to be free from it determines how extreme you have to be. Okay? So for one person, it doesn't take all that. They don't know how, in, how strong your desire is. So no, it may not take all of that for you, but girl, it takes all of that for me. Bro, it takes all of that for me because it's on the inside. Drawn away by our own lust. Now look at this, 1 John chapter 2. I have to give you Bible where y'all can see this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. forever. Okay, so I made this chart. Carl, let's, put, let's put the flesh chart on the screen. I made this chart I want us to see. So really the Bible is saying... All sins are in three categories, period, all of them. All of our sins, they're either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Every other thing, that's just a detail. But all sins fall in this category. She finds temptation, whatever, I can't stop looking, that's just the lust of the eyes. That's a detail, but it's still under this category. When everybody tries, when somebody tries to correct you or tell you another way to do it, you start to get all irritated and agitated, that's pride. All of the rest are details. But God is saying, listen, I need us to understand all sins, three categories. Jesus was tempted in every way that we were tempted, but he did not succumb to the temptation. What other ways he got tempted? He got tempted in the lust of the flesh, he got tempted in the lust of the eyes, and he got tempted by the pride of life, and he didn't give in to him. So now what the text is saying is all of these are passing sins, okay? I want us to think. This is why one hit 
is not enough. You have to do it again because it's passing. This is why he found you but kept on looking. It's because it's a lust of my flesh. I have to keep chasing it. Some of us are spiritually tired because sin keeps you chasing something that can never be caught. It can never be caught. So you get high, I hit this, I smoke this, and I have to do it again, and I have to do it again because it's passing. It can never be caught. Come here, Torrance. It can never be caught. No matter how hard you try, once you try to hit that, it's gone. It's gone. The pleasure after you have it, gone. Just like that. Y'all should see y'all faces. <laughs> this is a game changer for me. All right, I just want you to turn this smoke on. This is what sin is, okay? It's something that comes in our life that we can never catch. And the reason we struggle and the reason we're so tired is like, okay, I got to get high. Sleep with her. How stupid do I look trying to grab something that I can never obtain? There's one. Get it here. Okay, okay. Let me try this gin and juice. Okay. Let, let, me, let, me, let me try this girl. I can never catch it, and this is how we look in the spirit, constantly trying to grab what can never be caught. And some people live their whole life trying to grab what can never be caught, and you're trying to get it, and you're tired because... You're trying to grab something that can never, ever be caught. The temptation comes in impulses. This is why you're horny. It's an impulse. You try to grab it, gone. Gone. Once the orgasm, gone. Is this helping anybody? Look, look. This is how many of us look. Keep pushing it. This is how many of us look in our life. We're trying to grab what can never be caught. So I got to get high again, sleep with her again, gamble again, happy hour again, go here again. And I'm exhausted because it's never being caught. Now, stop it. This right here is profound because once you view all sins as passing, you'll recognize that will never sustain. It will only gratify, never satisfy. Okay, I want y'all to have visual aid where y'all can see this six foot one man sweating trying to grab smoke and can't do it. So the next time you have an impulse, I want you to remember you can't grab it. You can't grab it. Now, blow it again. So it says, all right, but look, the will of God is lasting fulfillment. Because it will endure forever. Once you understand the will, you could understand that will not satisfy me. So why would I exhaust myself trying to catch what will not satisfy? Is it our smoke? Keep blowing. He says trying. What we have to recognize is when I'm in the will, I can look at all the temptations, all the desires of the flesh, all the pride of life and recognize that's not going to give me this. It's not going to give me this. So it's easier for me to resist this when I've been over here trying to grab this. And now I could tell you, whoever feels as though this will satisfy, I bet you're tired. 
tired. I'm talking about getting eight hours but still exhausted. Man, I just feel so sleepy. I don't know why I'm so tired. It's because your life is chasing things that can never be caught. Never be caught. Turn it off. And just like this, God says, your life is like that. Your life is like a vapor. Just like that. Here one moment, gone the next. And many of us are chasing what is here one moment and gone the next. And until we understand that I want to give you an exit and the exit is my will, we'll keep on chasing ghost. Is this good, y'all? Appreciate you, bro. So look, Hebrews chapter 12, I have to do a lot of groundwork when I start this new series to show you that I'm not preaching opinions, I'm preaching doctrine. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This text is saying, okay, there's a race that's set before all of us. What slows you down is weights. And if you look at the text, remember I said squeeze it. If you look at the text, it says the sin. Did y'all catch that? Every weight on Therapy Thursday, I said some weights for us is you're too hard on yourself. That's a weight. You care about what people think. That's a weight. That's limiting how well you run. Now, the sin is which one of these do you keep engaging in? It's the cycle. It's the eyes that keep you in trouble. This makes sense? Some of us don't even recognize it's not just porn with the eyes. Your eyes may be constantly scrolling every morning, scrolling. You compare your life to people's posts, scrolling. Instead of staying in the scroll, you're addicted to the scroll. D, sin. Let us lay all of that aside. Jesus grabs this man and takes him outside of the village. And this is the part that trips me out. He has this process miracle with him. And he asked him, okay, what do you see? He said, I, I, I see people, and they look like trees walking around. I want to pause right there because many of us pause right there. He went from blind to better. <laughs> he went from blind to blurry. When you come to God for treatment, once you get blurry from blind, you leave him because he made you better. Your life's better, you don't pray as much. Finance is better, you don't pray as much. Because we only come to improve. But I'm trying to get us to understand, Jesus is like, listen, I don't want to give you a refurbished life. I want to give you a brand new one. But will you stay with me? Or will you experience a benediction before your miracle? 
Will you stay with me? I won't just open your eyes. I'll allow you to see the mountains erected to the heavens. If you stay with me, if you stay on the operating table, if you stay in my face, if you stay in that ministry, if you stay in my presence, you won't just see. You won't just see people looking like trees walking around. No, I'll allow you to see the rainbow that fills the sky. And the rainbow is not a logo for organization. It's a covenant sign that God gave his people that I will never flood the earth again. This is not for your brand. This is a covenant sign. If you stay with me, you stay with me. And I'm wondering, do some people only want Jesus to make them better? Because if you do, you'll be content with being blurry. <laughs> then he says in verse 25, once more Jesus put his hands on the man. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. I begin to think, what if something in the village contributed to this man's blindness? See, some of us just missed the fact that he said, I see people, and they look like trees walking around. Um, how does a blind man know what people and trees look like? Unless there possibly was a time he saw before. Did something happen in the village that made him lose his sight? The reason we know he saw before, because right here in the text, it tells us his sight was restored. So good, y'all. So good. Something happened to where you can't see. Now that you can see, don't go back there. Y'all seeing this? Don't go back there. Point number one, it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit, period. The Holy Spirit is our counselor, our wonderful comforter. Without the Holy Spirit, I will not be able to resist the urges of sin. I pray that my generation and other co-laborers in the faith never stop speaking about the necessity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what's going to help us. And Okay, just so that we can understand for those that, like, I don't really know if God's talking to me. The Holy Spirit speaks through uneasiness. You ever had that before? Hey, what's up, big head? No nothing. What you doing? Come through. You start to feel this what? Uneasiness. That's the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought it was like him cracking the sky and saying, don't go over his house, female. It's <laughs> uneasiness. Seriously, don't be deep. It's uneasiness. You feel it all the time. All the time. Somebody cuts you off, you, bop, you feel it. Instant. Boom. Holy Spirit. Uneasiness. Listen to him. When do you listen? Before or after? Both. Both. That's real. I love it. <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me fast. Because fasting strengthens your no. Listen, wherever your lust, wherever your flesh rages when you fast reveals where the sin is strongest. When you fasting, it strengthens your no. Whatever rages the most, TV, your subscriptions, whatever starts to rage, texting them, that is where the sin is because the flesh is exposing it through discomfort. The spirit is exposing it through discomfort, excuse me. Number two, devotion. Somebody say devotion. I can't walk in devotion and walk with devils at the same time. I can't. Either the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. 
I have to have a devoted life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing, administering one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I have to have the word in me. You know why we can't fight? No word. Say it one more time. The reason you can't fight back, no word. The word is your sword. It is your only offensive weapon. The reason you can't fight back, you have no sword. And you turning to a scripture because I told you to is not going to teach you how to fight. You need more than Sunday. Trying to help us, man. I need more than that. That's what Jesus did. Jesus modeled this to us. When he was tempted, what did he do? Quote the word. It is written. Number three, atmosphere awareness. Be aware of the atmosphere. The people that invite you for the 4th of July or the Juneteenth, if you know what atmosphere is going to be there and you know where your lust is, be real with yourself. I'm not strong enough for that. That takes strength to acknowledge that. Atmosphere awareness. And the last one, recreation. I don't want to give you all spiritual without practical. Sometimes when your flesh on fire, run. See, you got real quiet. Run. Hit the floor and start doing some blurpees. Those are from the devil. (laughs) Your flesh is on fire because your lust constantly tells you what to do. Buffet it. Train your body. Make yourself get exhausted. See, if you don't have fun in your life, and fun doesn't have to be sin, When you don't have fun, when somebody comes bring fun, you'll think they're God sent. Listen, answer prayer. They're helping me. I need to be able to have this without you. Without you. Recreation. Of course you read. Of course you're devoted. Of course you have community. But what do you do to buffet your flesh? I feel this, y'all. Can y'all just stand? I want to just pray. Because I know I'm not the only one who has battled with the flesh and you want to be free from it anybody I just want to be free from it I'm tired of my mood my emotions my anger my pride my lust my resentment telling me what to do I want to be able to tell it what to do so if we could just lift our hands Mrs. Flowers you can come I'm done I'm just going to pray for all of us in the sacred sanctuary and watching online who battle. Father, we lift our hands as a sign of, I give up. I surrender from trying to do things my way, just like the smoke machine was pushing smoke, I recognize everything that I'm chasing that is not rooted and grounded in you, I'll never catch it. God, right now, many of us are exhausted, hand raised, and we've been praying and we've been asking God, free us from this. In the house and watching online who have battled in the dark, rather if it's unforgiveness, being too hard on ourselves, loving ourselves, loving our neighbor, or forgiving somebody for something that they have done for us, we've battled. And we're lifting our hands, God saying, today, I lay it down. I lay down my will and I exchange it for your will. God, would you help us 
to recognize we don't have to bow. It doesn't have to be our master. You died on the cross and you defeated sin. Help us walk in that victory. We won't have it perfect, but we're praying that you make us progressive. The goal is not perfection, it's progress because you are perfect God and you have taken our imperfect record and exchanged it with your son's perfect record so that when we stand before you, you don't see our flaws, you see the blood of Jesus. And for that, we say thank you. But God, as we live in this sick, sin-filled, sensual, dark, evil world, help us not to dim our light to blend into the village of the culture. Whatever we need to exit, God, be an exit strategist for us. Whatever we need to lay down, whatever we need to give up, whatever we need to not go back to, I pray that we'll be able to say that it was on this day that we laid down whatever had us in bondage. Encourage us when we fail, you still love us. Encourage us we're just as called as before we fail, like after we fail. Remind us that you're a good God. And help us experience an exodus. In Jesus' name we pray.